Okay, so we are blessed to have our sermon for today, brought to us by Barnabas Grayson, and it is entitled, Trust in the Lord. Sorry about that. <coughs> the title of the sermon this afternoon is In God We Trust. We know we see this on our coinage and on our dollars. In God We Trust. When asked this question, do you believe in God, 81% said yes, according to a 2022 Gallup poll, but that was a record low. And it was down from 87% in 2017. When this question was first asked in 1944, 96% expressed belief in God. But it reached a high of 98% in the 1950s and, and the 1960s. So belief in God is a Christian fundamental. Though it is at a record low, Belief in God at remains on the positive side of the, of the statistics, yet the downward trend can be somewhat concerning. According to researchers, churches are close, closing their doors at rapid numbers in the United States. Since the 1990s, adults have left Christianity to become atheists, agnostics, or nothing in particular. A lifetime survey found that 18 to 22 young adults who attended church regularly, that 7 out of 10 quit attending regularly. A quarter of young adults who dropped out of church disagreed with their church's stance on political and social issues. Now we know that there are other reasons. We can probably think of some. We can probably go to the studies on the internet to see how these polls and what that trend is all about. But these polls, you know, can be Googled up to see why religion and church attendance is on the decline. As we know that there is a cause for every effect. But what is the most disturbing thing that we see in our world today when we turn on the news? Think about it for a moment. What are the things that we dread uh, to learn about, to see? And then let us ask, what does the eternal, what does God see? What does the creator of mankind see? And is he disturbed by the same things that we see through the, through the media or on the internet? In Psalm chapter 94, verses 1 through 11, we see here a prayer for God's judgment to fall on the rule of the unrighteous. The psalmist saw the bad in the world, just like we do, and he calls on the Lord to take, a, to take vengeance on the godless who oppress the righteous. Do, do we see this 
a, a disturbing trend in our society today and around the world, that there are the godless who uh, oppress the righteous, those who are trying to do right, trying to live righteously. And he said, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs, O God, to whom vengeance belongs, show yourself. So human nature, of course, says for us sometimes to get even. Uh, but vengeance, as we know, is mine, says the eternal. Verse 2, lift up yourself, you judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves because they think they're getting away with it. They break in pieces your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger, the murder and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, the Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it or consider it. So the psalmist, even as we do sometimes, is laments over the evil doings that we see in the world, our world today. Verse 8, understand you brutish among the people, and you fools, when will you be wise? So the psalmist is asking, wake up people, believe in God, he knows, he sees, and he will judge. Because in verse 9, he that planted the year, put it on the sides of our head there, Shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? Because when we hear about things and see things, we, know we, it take, we take it into our hearts and consider it. We know what's going on. Verse 10, he that chastens the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teaches man knowledge, shall not he know? The Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. So the foolish think that there is no God and they, that they will get away with their evil deeds. But God knows, he sees, and we can trust that he will see to the punishment of the wicked and the foolish. Proverbs 15, verse 3 says the, that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding. What? Beholding the evil and the good. He knows everything about us. He knows the things that we are suffering sometimes. He knows the pains that we feel in our life, the worries that we have. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Beholding what? The evil and the good. In Psalm 33, beginning verse 13, he says, the Lord looks from heaven. He beholds all the sons of man of men. From the place of his habitation, he looks upon all the inhabitants of the earth. Don't know exactly how many billions of people there are on the earth. How he does it, it's a miraculous thing. He has uh, the messengers, he has angels. But from the place of his habitation, 
he looks upon all the inhabitants of the earth, and that includes us in our lives. He fashions their hearts alike. He considers all their works. So he made their hearts so he knows their thinking, and he watches everything that they do and what we do. Drop to verse 18. Again, Behold, the eyes of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, and his eyes are upon those who fear and believe in him. We know a lot of bad goes on in this world and in our society. We hear wars, we see violence, we hear about crimes, corruption, things like that taking place. We see controversy, contentions, and we hear about conspiracies and so on. So when we look out our window to the world via TV or the internet or whatever, what do we see? We know bad and horrible things happen to people with some things more disturbing to us than others. Now what in is it that we dread hearing? What is it that we don't like hearing on the news? There's a word going around, of course, we've heard a lot of it if you watch the news a lot. There's a word called accountability. We heard the word accountability as in who, I who is to be held responsible and answer for the things that go wrong. A few months ago, we heard about the, the train wreck in Ohio that released some toxic chemicals. And here recently, we uh, heard about the, the submersible, the, the, the sub that went down to view the Titanic, and that was it. A horrible thing happened to them. So some may wonder why and ask, if God knows all, sees all, where is he? And some think to blame God and religion for man's suffering. Now, a couple of scriptures may come to our mind in Galatians 6, verse 7. It says, to make no mistake that God is not mocked. Because whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reign. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. So there are risks in our leaning to our own understanding in things because they can lead to danger and death. And the world is full of risk, and we take, can take those risks. On one hand, however, we see that there are fleshly and carnal things in life that people are identify toward or go toward. Things like drunkenness or adultery or lasciviousness, seditions, and you know the, the scriptures list a whole lot of these things that we don't really care to hear about. There's hatred, there's anger, there's strife, and there's idolatry, idolatry which can lead a person deep into immorality and decay because they may rebel harshly against all these things that they hear. We of course know that on the other hand, Galatians 5, that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith. Also meekness and temperance because against that there is such no law as there, there is a law against those fleshly carnal desires that people ha have. 
But they that are Christ, verse 24, they have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So these things of the Spirit, the love and the joy and the patience, the goodness and the faith, these are things to be grounded in, to believe in God and to trust in, in God because these are the foundations of life. So, if we walk in the Spirit, it says we shall not fulfill the lust, that is, you know, the sinful cravings of the flesh that lead to ruin. So we trust in God. We trust in His Spirit. We believe in His power and His presence, and we try our best to walk in the Spirit. Romans 14, verse 11. It is written, As I live, saith the Eternal, saith the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, verse 12, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You know, God has instituted his laws, his uh, ways for us to walk in, to follow the example of Jesus Christ. So how will we answer? Uh, whether in this life now or... In the life that, that is to come, how will we answer as to the good or the bad that we have done? Now, we know that in the last days, it says, Christ said, that the love of many shall wax cold, and that's because the laws that govern peace and goodwill are being disobeyed, and iniquity shall abound because of that. Lawlessness shall abound. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We know that a foundation is, you know, the, a basis. The footing or the bedrock on which something is built, the structure that supports it uh, being uh, standing. And in our life, we sometimes have our foundations of faith and love tested and our hope tested by the pressures that we face in life. And sometimes we're overwhelmed by them, and sometimes we are loaded down by the troubles and the evil that goes on around us. More so, of course, when we find our life in, in danger, our very life in danger, as it was many times for King David, and he wrote a lot of psalms bearing on those things. And he turned to God for help. Now again in Psalms 11, 2 through 3, we see where some around David were faint of heart and they began to fear that the righteous few, along with David, had become targets of ambush by the wicked. In Psalms 11, verse 2, they said to the king, Lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, and that they may privily shoot, privately shoot at the upright in heart. In verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Uh, then back up to verse 1, David replied to that advice, and he said, in the Lord put I my trust. 
How say you to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? How dare you say to, to uh, me to flee, to get away, head for the hills, fly the coop, or just hightail it away? So these words to the king were a tempta temptation for him to get away and let things simmer down and they could all be safe from the evil brewing around them. Law and order has collapsed, they cried. And what can the righteous do but flee? So in our world today, in like manner, the bad that people see or experience makes many want to, want to get away from it all or close their eyes to it. Let the, you know, let the chips fall where they may, so to speak, as long as you know, they're not caught up in it. But David said, I trust in the Lord. Why should I fly away? Why should I uh, turn tail and flee? So what can the righteous do? What can we do? What can the church do if the foundations be destroyed and belief is no longer solid or becomes doubtful because of something that goes on in the world or what somebody tells us? So one of the basic doctrines of Christ is faith. Faith in God as our refuge. So David did not trust in himself, but he said, I trust in the Lord. And his attitude is one that we should also have when doubt or fear comes into our life, no matter what it is or how uh, potential the aspect of it taking our life. Trust in the Lord. Now, do we not live in a world where evil is waxing worse and worse? In a world where perils exist or dangers exist? In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, very familiar description we use quite a bit of, I do anyway, in describing the last days. I'm... I'll be reading from the, the Living Bible. And the Apostle Paul, he wrote this, uh, these words to Timothy. He said, know this too, Timothy, that in the last days it is going to be very difficult to be a Christian. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be proud and boastful, sneering at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful to them, and thoroughly bad. They will be hard-headed and never give in to others. They will be constant liars and troublemakers and will think nothing of immorality. They will be rough and cruel and sneer at those who try to be good. They will betray their friends. They will be hot-headed, puffed up with pride, and prefer good times to worshiping God. Verse 5, they, shall, they may go to church, but... They won't really believe anything they hear to better their life. And then he concludes and he says, don't be taken in by people like that. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain, it says. Don't let our misbehavior, our acting contrary to uh, the will of God be viewed in hypocrisy. But if we hate our brother, 
How can we say we love God? So don't get caught up in the ways of the world. Psalm 82, verses 1 through 8. This speaks of a problem of unjust judges. Verse 1, the eternal stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. So he pronounces a judgment on these uh, on the, ju the judges, those who pervert justice. And he says, how long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? See law. In other words, pause and think on this. The Living Bible. How long will you judge judges refuse to listen to the evidence? How long will you shower special favors on the wicked? Instead, the psalmist says, defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand, because they walk in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. So the rulers do not know, nor do they understand. They walk in the darkness of complacent satisfaction. All of the foundations of the earth suffer because the principles, the fundamental principles of the administration of justice are shaken. In verse 6, we see where the psalmist uh, says what God said. I have said, you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall die like men. Here, judges are called Elohim. They're called gods because of their responsibility to represent God in fairness and in justice. Verse 8, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for ye shall inherit all nations. So the answer is going to come. Justice will come. Peace will be put into place at that time in the future. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. The bedrock, that is the foundation of Christian faith, are these principles of the doctrine and the belief system of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 1, therefore uh, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Instead, to go on to maturity. But if we faint in the day of adversity, it says that our faith is small. And when things go against us, as it will, as it has done in many ways, we're not to drop that shield of faith and run away. But sometimes we are caught off guard. But in God, it says, we trust. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 says, Watch you. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Be on guard. Stand firm in your faith in God. If somebody tries to tell you uh, of another way and in, the, uh, in your heart, you know it doesn't sound right. Then it could be that 
You're being tested to change your standing and your faith in God. In Jude, verse 3, he wrote, It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints, to be steadfast in the faith. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, the writer says that we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. As time goes on, things become a little cloudier if we don't uh, stay in the word of God, and we let them slip or we forget. For if the word that was spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So we are to be on guard against the wiles of the devil. He seeks to confuse us, questions our faith, our belief in God, and in his commandments. And we know that Satan himself is transformed as an angel of light. He has his servants, and he's the prince of the power of the air. He broadcasts through the airwaves, and he whispers in our head false doctrines or doubts, teachings that sound good but are false and misleading and contrary to the doctrines of Christ, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. God's people, we are God's people, we believe that. Chosen to be a holy people, keeping his laws, obedient to his commandments, keeping the Sabbath, and living a life unspotted, free from uh, that of the world. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy, uh, verse 3, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he's proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof comes envy, strife, railings, evil, surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such, withdraw yourself. Don't be, uh, become a student of different ideas of philosophies that are contrary to the word of God. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and it's certain we can't carry nothing out. But having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich will fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Remember Jesus said that he is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life. But some don't believe that. So they don't look to his word. They don't 
follow his example. In the Sermon on the Mount, he taught how the faithful should be, how we should be, hungering after righteousness, for they shall be filled. But our world is changing because the fundamental beliefs of Christianity are being abandoned and disobeyed. Though many profess faith in God, many give over to the ways of the world. So we live in perilous times. For men, it says, shall be lovers of their own selves, selfish, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and holy, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, the advice is to us, turn away. So are we listening? You know, it's a lot to take in when you look at all the scriptures that pertain to how we should be living life, how we should be holding the foundation of faith close to us. But as the day of the Lord uh, grows closer, we have to remember to watch and pray when we feel like we are sinking and so on. We're not being the kind of prayerful Christian that we should be. Matthew chapter 7, starting verse 24. Jesus said, Whosoever hears these sayings of mine, you know, we've heard many scriptures read we've, uh, over uh, the years that we have been in the church and listening to the sermons or reading the articles from various ones of us. Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now it says to not just be hearers of the word, but to also be doers. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it didn't fall. It fell not. Why? Because it was founded on a rock. And we know that rock was Christ. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not is going to be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, built upon the wrong foundation. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Ephesians chapter 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Trust in the Lord can't trust in ourselves. We might have some confidence in ourselves, but the ultimate is to trust in the Lord and in the power of his might. So we have read elsewhere that the arm of man uh, will not save. In verse 11, we know about the armor of God, and we hear this often, and I I'm sometimes ask myself, well, am I forgetting something today that I need to be putting on? You know, when I wake up daily, you know, we, we pray at times, but sometimes we forget. Put on the armor of God because this will help us to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we don't, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against these principalities, these powers, the rulers of the darkness of the world, against the spiritual weakness in high places. 
you know, in, in the leadership that we follow. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Having your loins girded with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Also he mentions in verse 17, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And Paul added, and for me, the utterance, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So at times we do pray. I sometimes in my prayer ask, when are those two witnesses going to come forward and do as uh, the prophet said, to cry aloud, spare not, tell my people their sins. So the times that we live in, Jesus predicted would come. And somewhere, at some time, God will raise up those two witnesses to warn of the coming wrath and the foolish who uh, do not believe and those that do wickedly. So as we see the perils and sufferings in the world, we ought to pray for that day to come and not lose our compassion for those who are suffering. Moses asked, who is on the Lord's side? So instead of looking to man, look to Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, and we won't go wrong, be misdirected. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 13, it says that we are laborers together with God. We are God's husbandry. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wide master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another built, builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. For, no, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. On down to verse uh, 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? that the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's, uh, that's a powerful thing that we have, and sometimes we don't use it to its full ex extent. Sometimes uh, we're challenged by the adversity that we uh, face, and our faith is small. And you are Christ. Christ is God. In Ephesians 2, won't read through all this, but it says that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. In verse 20, and, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The New Testament uh, called out ones to spread the gospel and also the prophets who also uh, uh, predicted things. 
and uh, the reasons why people disbelieved and are told to repent. Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. We know that Jesus was the carpenter's son and he, he knew the building trade. Second Peter 1, verses 2 through 10. I just want to highlight uh, the part. According, uh, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according to his divine power, who has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So this divine power, that pertains un, uh, unto all things which pertain unto life and godliness. So, if you do these things, verse 10, you shall never fail, never fall. Here are they who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. Christ came to fulfill the law, didn't come to end it, he magnified the law, saying that not only is it the little act that, uh, that, that is sinful, but that also the thought of that act is, is sinful. Back to Psalm 11 and verse uh, 3. It says, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can we do in our own life? Simply trust in the Lord. Obey his commandments. Stand firm in the faith. Pray for one another. As David said, I trust in the Lord. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. He tries the righteous, but the wicked in him that loves violence, his soul hates. And he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. Trust in the Lord. Proverbs 35. A couple of scriptures here. And we'll conclude. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord with all your hearts and with all your soul no matter what situation we face or the circumstance we find ourselves under and to keep the commandments of the Lord verse 13 and his statutes which I command you this day for your good so if the foundations be destroyed what can the righteous do now look into the future what the righteous are doing now and will be doing when troubles surround them in Revelation 14, 12, it says that here is 
the patience of the saints. Here are they who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And here are they, as you and I are here today, who trust in the Lord.